Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be in the presence of the Lord. And I know this is going to be a, a very busy week. Uh, and I encourage you, if you are able to come Friday night or Saturday and be uh, involved and be uh, here, uh, we are going to be having several uh, guests come in to our church and we are thankful that uh, the Lord has got a lot of work to do. You're welcome to help us with the work. You're also help, welcome to uh, be involved in, in uh, all of uh, the uh, preparation and just helping folks. And we do have, as Brother Nick said, Sister Cheryl, and we have someone else going to be baptized, I believe, today, too, that are going to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're thankful for that. We are growing, apostolic, legacy, and um, I am thankful that um, we have, uh, I preached last Sunday on God is a seeker, and um, I will tell you that um, God is um, a shepherd, and that's um, and that's what I really want to spend a little time. And I know you all uh, have all, uh, it's a theme that everybody knows about. God is a shepherd. And probably we would take that from the fact of Psalms 23. Probably the very fact that, in, that indeed we've all heard uh, about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it was written by a young man who was a shepherd of sheep. And here is that pastoral sense of being a shepherd. We know that we can go fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So everybody knows about being a shepherd. But I begin to think about the fact that I mentioned last week about the Lord being a seeker. And, and in fact, that is one of the aspects of being a shepherd. But as you study leadership in the Bible, there are actually three types of leaders in the Bible. And they are... Uh, they are really three types of leadership that would be applicable to a family unit, to a business, to a whatever you want to call it. Uh, these are three types of leadership that would be applicable to a local church as well. And that is there should be the prophet. And there were throughout the history of, in the Old Testament, there was that sense of prophets. You had someone who spoke the word of God and they would reveal things that were going on, things that were good, bad, things that 
the children of Israel should do, and they had a prophetic word. And it's amazing because you can read through the Old Testament history and, and there are kings that would go and hire a prophet to tell them what they want, and then another king would say, yes, but I want a prophet of God. And they would go get a prophet of God, and the prophet of God would tell them, uh, don't do whatever it was. And then they would get mad because they felt like uh, he, does, he just doesn't like me. That prophet doesn't like me. And so the king would get mad. That, so there was this differentiation between the prophet and then the priest, which were the ones that would perform the acts of worship. The children of Israel could come and and offer a sacrifice on the brazen altar, but they could go no further. They could not be baptized. They could not be washed in the labor of water. They could not go into the holy place. They could not offer incense. They could not offer prayer. They could not stand before the table of showbread. They could not even go uh, only the high priest into the Holy of Holies once a year where the presence of God was. But that was the job of the priest to worship, to sacrifice, to reconcile the people. The high priest once a year would go in with the blood of the animals and his job was to bring the people to God and God to the people and that was his job. And their Lord was very specific. He would not let kings be priests. In fact, there was one king that thought he could take the office and go in and offer sacrifice and immediately leprosy and immediately he was challenged. So what are you saying? That third office was that of a king, that ruler and his job. Of course, the children of Israel asked for rulers. The Lord had given them judges and so they wanted a king to be like everybody else and the king's job was to lead and protect the people and lead the people and lead them into battle. And that's why when they picked Saul, he was a, a big guy, head and shoulders above everybody else. So that's who you want to be king because he's got to ride out there and lead the charge. And uh, uh, we, that was the idea. So you had, you had uh, prophets who were revealing, you had priests who were reconciling, and you had kings who were ruling, and they all acted as checks and balances. King ruled from the palace, but when he came to the temple, he wasn't allowed to offer sacrifices. Only the, only the priests could bring the sacrifice into the presence of the Lord. The prophets would speak the word of the Lord to the king and to the people. And so these distinctions were set up in the Bible, and we would recognize that those, those types of leadership need to operate in our homes and in our churches. At times, someone has to speak the word of the Lord. Somebody's got to say, what, is the, what does the Lord want us to do? What does the Bible want us to do? What is it that God would want us to do? And you say, well, you know, I don't talk about the Bible to my family and I don't, but you know what? There is wisdom and there is 
understanding through the word of the Lord. And sometimes the Lord needs you to act as a prophet. Then there are times that maybe you act as a priest. Uh, we've been for 40 days being priests. What are you saying? We've been praying for others. We've been trying to reconcile. And there are times when it falls our lot to say, I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for my children. I need to pray for my husband, wife, spouse, other family members. Why? I'm acting in the act, action of a priest at that moment. And then there are times that I obviously that we have to be the king, whether you're the parent or the grandparent or the whatever, and there's, there's that sense of casting vision and giving direction and administration and organization, and that's the job of the king, you know, and at times the uh, family has to get together and say, okay, we need to do this and this and this, and we need to follow this and this and this, and we need to take this and go here and do this and this is uh, and so those types of leadership should be going on all the time and in fact in the New Testament the Bible the writers were very clear about suggesting that we should be all of these in fact when the Holy Ghost was first outpoured on the day of Pentecost uh, Paul, uh, Simon Peter, rather, began to preach in Acts, the second chapter, and he quoted an Old Testament prophet, Joel. You remember, uh, Acts, the second chapter, the 16th through the 18th verses. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What does that mean? To speak the word of God. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now I know what we think when we hear the word prophet is that we think of a predictor, you know, that I, I can predict that... Um, China is going to try to send more weather balloons our way. Maybe, I don't know. Whatever prediction you can come up with, and you say, aha, he's a prophet. <clears throat> and uh, some of y'all are going to have problems this year. Some of you are going to do better this year. That's prophetic. What do you think? There are going to be a time when sometime this year you're going to be sick. I prophesy. Am I right? Probably. You know? And yet I'm not taking from supernatural times whenever the Lord has revealed to people that have spoken a word that has been right on the money and they've been able to go, wow, that, that had to come from God. There was something that was being said that was, you know, exactly right where I needed to be, but speaking the word of God. The word also is, is able to speak to us. For those of you who know you have 
probably been at times reading the Word, and all of a sudden a scripture prophesies to you, if you will. It's as if the Lord himself is speaking to you. He's acting in that prophetic mode. Now, not only that, but Simon Peter, in his book, wrote into churches. It was not just to uh, a certain group, but he said, you are a chosen generation. Then you know what he called them? A royal, that's kingship, what? Priesthood. Wow. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Part of being a priest is to praise the Lord. You say, well, I don't have anything to praise him for. Praise him for your family. Praise him for the miracles. Praise him for what he's doing for somebody else. Let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. And you say, well, I'm still, I'm still going through it, but you are a priest. You are a priest for sometimes for your family, for some, uh, someone else. It says, he who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, wherein in times past you were not a people, <clears throat> but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's the priesthood. And then in Ephesians, the second chapter, Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, even when we were dead in sins, hath, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is like for a moment when that you begin to, the Holy Ghost begins to flow through you and the Spirit of the Lord begins to take control, it is like you are transported out of here right into the throne room and you sit with him. That's as being a ruler. That's as being a king in heavenly places. And this is that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So here it is, priests, shepherds, prophets, and kings. Now in the Old Testament, I, I said shepherd. The Old Testament, these three types of leadership came together to form a, in the form of a shepherd. A shepherd was unique in that he had a lot of different roles. One was he was supposed to feed the people as you would think the word of God would feed like a prophet. He was supposed to seek the lost sheep, which would be a priest that would go looking for a lost lamb. He was supposed to lead the sheep like a king. So David wrote about Psalms 23 about a shepherd because it embraced, not only did it embrace kingship, it embraced 
the prophetic and it embraced the priesthood. And he talked about the Lord as our shepherd. But I, I want to turn your attention to maybe not the most familiar passage of Scripture that you've ever read, and that is the really but the most famous about being a shepherd, and it's found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the, 20, the 34th chapter. Psalms 23, most of us can quote it. We've heard it. We, they say it at funerals. We understand it. We talk about the, the beauty of that. But later, after the 23rd Psalm was written, Ezekiel, who got a vision of dry bones and all these things in chapter 37, in chapter 34, he spends the first 10 verses of that chapter really with a performance review or an evaluation of the shepherds that were leading Israel at that time or the ministers, what they were doing wrong. Now, I will tell you <coughs> that, you know, you can say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Pastor, you need to read this and make sure you're doing what's right. You're the shepherd. And I thank you. I have read it, and it is important for all shepherds to read it. But it applies to all of us that are in a leadership role in our homes, in the church, if you are doing something to try to be a shepherd. And here's how it starts, and it's pretty harsh, so buckle up. But I want you to understand that what's amazing about this, when you read Ezekiel 34, is the first 10 verses, he's pointing out what the shepherds are doing. And then the next 21 verses, God says what he will do. Regardless of what a shepherd does, God, still will be a good shepherd. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. I'll be the first to tell you. But regardless of how good or bad I am, God is going to be great. God is a good shepherd. And you can never forget that. That's what is so powerful about Ezekiel 34. Here, here's how it starts. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds do what? Feed the flock. Says you eat the fat, you clothe with the wool, you kill them that are fed, and you feed not the flock. Powerful statement. Lord, help me to be someone that is feeding somebody else. It's not all about me. And I know we're here and you can say, well, this applies to you, but it applies to all of us. I come to church, I just come because it's about me. What do I get out of it? Or is it, what can I do to encourage and pray for and be a blessing and touch? You say, well, I don't have to be a shepherd. We're all supposed to be shepherds. I read it to you. We're supposed to be prophets and kings and priests. Anyway, 
He said, the diseased you haven't strengthened, you haven't healed that which was sick, you haven't bound up that which was broken, you haven't brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost. I could spend a long time talking about all the things about trying to help those that are diseased and broken and lost and have been driven away and trying to reach out, huh? And we've all felt all of that with force and cruelty. Have you ruled them? They were scattered because there is no shepherd. They became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered on the face of the earth. Nobody searched for them. Nobody sought for them. Wow. You didn't do what you could to find them. You didn't reach out. You didn't call them. You didn't text them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, saith the Lord God. Surely, because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but my shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. He's reading mail, isn't he? Whoo. Verse 9, therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. 10, hard charging, scathing words of correction from the Lord to the shepherds. You say, does that apply to me? It applies to all of us. Does it apply to me? More so even to me. Lord, what am I doing to feed the flock? Am I searching for them? Am I praying for them? Okay, you don't, have to, you don't have to feel the weight of that. I feel the weight of that. But in your home, I could ask you, are you feeding? Are you leading? Are you providing? Are, well, I give them a place to live. Are you loving? Are you caring? Okay, we can stop there. But what's powerful is the next 21 verses of this chapter. Even though the shepherds had done all these things, the Lord wasn't judging them wrongly. But here's what it says in verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. I want to tell you, whether we do it or not, God will never stop being a good shepherd. You say, well, nobody called me. Nobody loves me. Don't ever blame that on God. Whether somebody here does it or not, there is a God that is still seeking, that still loves, that will do anything he can. Verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock, in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will 
deliver them out of all places. What are you saying? I, I don't care. No matter where you've wandered, no matter where you've gone, no matter what's gone on in your life, in a moment you can out call and ask the good shepherd, oh, you may call me and I may not be able to be there in the next 30 minutes or hour or two days or whatever, but there is a God that will show up right in a moment and he is able to bring a miracle. That's how good our God is. He will deliver and he goes on to say where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Wow, he is able to bring them out. Verse 12, I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land, feed them on the mountains of Israel by the rivers. And these verses are what people have used as, as proof text that one day Israel is going to be gathered back together and, and they believe that by the rivers and the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture on a high mountains. Their food, their foal should be and they shall lie in a good fold in a fat uh, pasture and, and he's going through here that shall feed upon the uh, mountains of, of uh, Israel. He says, I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down. <clears throat> Sorry, this remote went off. You'll have to turn it forward for me. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. I will seek them which was lost. Bring them again into that were driven away. Bind those that were broken. Strengthen that which was sick. Destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And as for you, O my flocks, thus saith the Lord God, I judge between cattle and cattle, between rams and the he-goats. It's not me judging, but there is a God, the good shepherd, and he looks and he judges between rams, he-goats, Cattle, another cattle. What are you saying? The Lord wants to know what kind of lamb you are. Are you one that follows? Are you one that stays near the shepherd? And as for you, O oh my flocks, thus saith the Lord, I judge between all of this. And then he says, Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture now you tread down the residue of your pastures and drunk the deep waters and now you foul the residue with your feet. You know, that imagery was that some people muddy the water they're going to drink out of. And they walk all over the thing that's supposed to feed them. It's a very powerful imagery as a sheep, and that is that sense of, I don't respect the house of God, the word of God. It's not a place that it can refresh me. You know, if I am critical of everything that's going on, and you say, are there things that go on? Yeah, but uh, I don't want to muddy the water I drink out of. Yeah, you understand? 
If you tell your children all the bad, you wonder, well, why don't they like going to church with me? And he goes on, verse 19, as for my flock, they eat that which they have trodden with your feet and drink that which you fouled with your feet. Thus saith the Lord God unto them, I, even I, will judge between fat cattle and between lean cattle. Wow. I hope fat cattle get good reviews. What is he saying? He's not talking about my body weight. He's talking about my spiritual health. Am I spiritually healthy? Am I spiritually well fit? He said, because you have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the disease with your horns till you've scattered them. Therefore, powerful verses as he wraps this up. Will I save my flock? There shall be no more prey. I will judge between cattle and cattle. Third time, I will set one shepherd over them. He'll feed them. Even my servant David, talking about the coming of the Messiah, he shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. So when Jesus in the New Testament said, I am the good shepherd, they knew what he was talking about. They knew that the good shepherd was coming and he was going to give his life for the sheep. And he said, I, the Lord, will be their God. My David will be a prince among them. I have spoken it. I have made a covenant of peace. Will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land. They shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. Showers of blessings. Seems like we used to sing a song. Showers of blessing. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke, delivered them from the hand of those that served against themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them, and they shall dwell safely. None shall make them afraid. Why? Because I have a good shepherd. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people. And ye, my flock, and the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. What are you saying? I know, it's, it's a long chapter. starts off heavy but it winds up with so many of these promises about God being our shepherd. The New Testament, Simon Peter said, feed the flock of God that you've been given oversight. 
not with constraint, but willingly, not for filthy, filthy lucre, neither as lords over God's heritage, not as trying to rule harshly, but when the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd shall appear. Who is the chief shepherd? We know who the chief shepherd is. Matthew, the Lord said when he was looking at them and he was teaching and preaching and healing, he said, my people are like sheep that have been scattered that have no shepherd. What are you saying? The Lord loves us today. He, I don't care whether or not somebody next to you has been nice to you or your parents or your friends or your family there is a shepherd that goes looking to seek and to save that which is lost. But he wants to be the shepherd, which means he also wants you to follow him. I want the shepherd that will seek me. I want the shepherd that will give his life for me. But am I willing to be a lamb and follow the shepherd? That's another part of the leadership of the shepherd. That's why when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Boy, hallelujah. Not a hireling. When the wolf comes, a hireling will leave the sheep. The wolf will catch them and scatter. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. Another place, he said, I am the door to the sheepfold. And we know historically they would bring the sheep and put them in a pen and at the gate the shepherd would lay down and guard the very gate to keep things, animals from coming in. You say, well, I want that kind of God that will be a good shepherd. I do too. I'm, I'm an under shepherd. We try to do our best. But let me tell you, it's not enough to just say, I want a shepherd that will seek me. It's, am I willing to follow the shepherd? Am I willing to follow the Lord? Writer in the New Testament one day, said, one time said, follow me as I follow Christ. Why? I'm not the boss. That's why you read so many, and I know people get overwhelmed. They said, Pastor, you read half the Bible this morning. I get it. But you know what? I don't want you to hear my words. I want you to hear the words of the Good Shepherd. He loves you. He'll seek for you. He'll do what he can to find you. But at some point, you've got to say, I want to be a sheep in your pasture. Here I am, Lord. I want to follow you. And that makes all the difference in the world. And now, why? Why are some folks being baptized in Jesus' name today? Sister Cheryl was witnessing it. They said, I, I don't want to do it alone, so I'll go into the water with you. We'll be baptized together. You know what motivates that? The spirit of a 
shepherd. I'll do what I can to see and to save that which is lost. Teach a Bible study, have fellowship after church. What am I going to do? I'm doing what I can to seek and to say, oh God, I want to have that same spirit. Oh, I know as pastor I'm supposed to, but every one of us need the spirit of a shepherd. Not only to seek and to save, but to say, follow me. Let's stand.